Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. I'm Billy Embody. With me, Shay Dixon. It's time to do kind of a uh, optimistic, I would say it'll probably end up being, uh, look at the LSU 2019 schedule. What remains? We're two games in. LSU opened the season with a win over Georgia Southern, then went on the road this past weekend and beat number nine, Texas 45-38. And that has led us to kind of sit back and say, well, okay, what if? And as LSU kind of enters a stretch here where they're going to be heavily favored in the next three ball games, uh, we're going to take a minute and a few, or a few uh, minutes of your time and look ahead to what kind of lies ahead for LSU, right? And specifically, how does LSU run the table on the rest of the schedule? And kind of, if not, where could they falter maybe? And what impact would that have on their college football uh, playoff dream? Shay, this should be fun for us to go ahead and riff on. Yeah, we're two weeks in. Uh, a reminder, I think, did you have 11? I had 11-1. and one. With a loss to Bama, Sonny had eleven and one. With a win at Bama, lost to Ole Miss, and you, what did you have? Eleven and one with with a loss to Alabama. Okay, so we're LSU's on track. Obviously, they got past Texas, which was the early hurdle. Um, two and zero looked better, certainly on offense, and we probably even imagined they would. So we'll revisit it. Northwestern State that makes three and zero. Don't need to spend much time there. No. Expect them to win. It's more about what guys. It sounds like we're going to see a lot of backups. Yes, and then they uh, open. SEC play at Vanderbilt, a game that, look, LSU's dominated the series. You never know what a Derrick Mason team is going to throw out at you at home, but that's one where they shouldn't even be looking ahead because they've got a bye week. Yeah, it's a good thing. First SEC game, so it'll have some juices flowing. A lot of those guys will be pumped. A number of kids are going to be playing kind of in starting in their first SEC game. A lot of the freshmen and younger kids are going to be playing in their first SEC game, at least bigger roles for a number of them that are returning. Um, so I think that they go to Nashville focused uh, and get that victory. I don't think that's going to be a, a real big hurdle for them. And then they uh, welcome Jordan Love, one of the best quarterbacks in the country in Utah State, uh, to Tiger Stadium. And But look, that's still a team that is kind of transitioning to a new coaching staff after that staff left for Texas Tech. I think we feel good, especially after what we've seen from LSU against Texas, picking LSU to, to go ahead and win that one. Yeah, it's the bye week after Vandy, which is good. I like this setup here where they play four games, then they have a bye. They play four games, then they have a bye. Then they play the final four games, then you go into the postseason. So that sets up well nicely for them. We've circled this. It's not like we're like some sort of pioneer here saying this, the first one to do it. Utah State won double-digit games a year ago. They were a top 25 team. Their OC went to Texas Tech, but they do return Jordan Love He's averaging, this is through week two, just over 350 yards passing a game. Joe Burrow's at 370. So he's a top 10 guy. Burrow's a top 10 guy. That at least shows you off top the kind of production he could put out. Now, he has two touchdown passes and one pick in that stretch. Or excuse me, that's not right either. I just had the stats up. So let me let me relook at that. Four touchdown passes, three picks. So he can throw for a lot of yards, but they're also he can get risky at times to have three interceptions. I say that I don't know. I could I don't have the Utah State film on. Maybe all three of them were tip passes, or the receiver caught it and put it in the arms of a DB. I don't know, but I do know this: when all the sort of Mel Kiper and Todd McShay did all their stuff before the season, he was up there as you know with Justin Herbert and some others as uh, the top draft prospects, Tua, um, those guys. So I do think that. 
My quarterback ranking, honestly, of guys they play this year will probably be Tua, then probably Jordan Love in the Utah State game, then Ellinger. And maybe I'll be off on that. Maybe Ellinger puts up the best showing. But uh, I think that those two guys are as good, if not better, than all of the SEC quarterbacks they'll play except for Tua. Yeah, and one one player that, uh, at least after you know week one against Miami, we can say that Love is, is looking better than is, is Florida quarterback Felipe Franks, who will come into Tiger Stadium fresh off of a win last year against LSU. Uh, it's the first game back in Tiger Stadium since you know that tough, tough loss um, in Ed Ogeron's interim year um, uh, around the Hurricane game. So uh, now LSU welcomes Florida back. This is one where Dan Mullen's going to at least have his guys you know, f- fairly ready to go, but I still think this is a Florida team that's just not as good as advertised. Yeah, you know... With Franks, we've seen the good and the bad from him. Last year, he played uh, really well, well enough to win, certainly, uh, in that LSU game, turned in some big plays for him. Um, But I still think that they're going to come back from this one. They're more talented than Florida. Uh, Miami is not that good of a team this year. Uh, Obviously, they went back and forth in a hyped-up Week 1 game with them. But I think as the season plays out, Florida is going to reveal a little bit more of um, kind of the deficiencies they have. And uh, again, Felipe Franks completing 78% of his passes to start the year, but he's only thrown for about 250 yards a game. Um, he has four touchdowns to two picks. So for every couple touchdowns he's thrown so far, he's turned the ball over. I think LSU's defense will be able to get one or two off of him. I don't think Florida's defense can slow down what we've seen so far from LSU. So at home, I like LSU in that Florida game, but let's be real. That'll be their first probably really big test out, you know, since this Texas game we just watched. Yeah, it'll have been over a month since they've probably really faced like a true top-to-bottom team that can play with them. Then they'll welcome Mississippi State to uh, to campus. State looked okay in its season opener. I didn't even get to catch their second game of the year, um, of course, with, with LSU's big game with, against Texas, but looked okay against Louisiana uh, Raging Cajuns, but uh, didn't really have much going. I mean, that's they're just kind of a team that doesn't look prepared right now to enter SEC play and be successful. Yeah, and we know that they, they had a really good team last year where they lost a lot of guys who went pro. I mean, uh, whether it was on the D-line or Jonathan Abram, a first-round pick, um, they lost some serious playmakers. Obviously, Nick Fitzgerald's gone now, and Tommy Stevens is in at quarterback, and they had the whole Keaton Thompson, I'm leaving now, and now I'm staying. And, and you know, and that's not a knock on him. I mean, they brought in Tommy Stevens as Moorhead's guy, and they picked him. Um, but I'd be curious to see kind of who's playing quarterback at that time, but what is that game? October 19th. If LSU wins these next few games where they're going to be favored in, they'll be favored in that Florida game. They'll be 6-0 going into that contest. The last time they went to Starkville, they had no D-linemen. Guys were getting kicked out of the game. I think Neil Farrell got ejected from that game, uh, and they got routed. They lost by like 30, and that was early in the Orgeron era, obviously, at Orgeron tenure. Um, but I don't that one's going to be on their mind. There's a lot of guys still on this team right now who played in that game two years ago where they got waxed. Uh, they came back last year. Remember, it was the Devin White hit on Nick Fitzgerald. Targeting was like the big deal from last year's state game. But it was a low-scoring end on LSU's end. But I don't even, did State even score? I'd have to go back and look at the, the score from last year. But I remember maybe they didn't score until the very end or they kicked a field goal. Um, I don't think State's going to be able to run up and down the field with LSU this year with the offense they have. Um, so I've got LSU winning that one. Uh, and then what? That would bring you to the very end of October. LSU would be 7-0, assuming, again, that they're winning these games. 
And then they'd have one game left before that bye week and play in Bama, and that would be Auburn. So Auburn coming to Baton Rouge, and you look at this one, it never stops with, it's tough to, first off, neither team ever wins on the road, and somehow LSU pulled it off last year. I mean, it was down to the last second, obviously, with Cole Tracy's kick, but Bo, uh, Bo Nix, the freshman quarterback for Auburn, Billy, will I guess he'll be six or seven games in. That gives him some experience. But on the road in Tiger Stadium, likely at night or maybe at 2.30, we'll see. But no matter how you slice it, that's a tall task to ask a kid to go in and carry your team to a place that even Auburn's veteran quarterbacks don't go in and win. Yeah, and look, I mean, you mentioned the road teams not being able to win in that series. I mean, it's just like feels like yesterday that LSU raced back and – you know, won at Tiger Stadium after Auburn had raced out to a big lead, you know, the DJ Chark punt return and all those things. Um, going back to your point on Mississippi State, uh, LSU won 19-3 last year um, and, and really shut down State, obviously. Um, but look, this Auburn game, I'm a big Bo Nix fan. Uh, I think he showed a little bit of what's to come in his college career against Oregon and, and leading that team, you know, to to a win in, in a huge, huge season opener. But I, I'm with you. I think LSU's able to, to get by them and then that sets up for another bye week and then a road trip to Alabama, which in terms of this matchup, both of us will have them undefeated going into Tuscaloosa. This is the game I think we'll spend the most amount of time on outside of A&M. It, after what you've seen from both teams in you know, a big season opener against uh, Duke in a way for, for Alabama and um, LSU's win over Texas, how do you have, have you changed your opinion going in? I mean, I get it's still too early for me to know. I had them losing, and look, they haven't won since 2011, and so it's tough for me to say. And this is probably one of the better Alabama teams they've had. I mean, let's be real. Two and these receivers are great, and we've seen Joe Burrow and these receivers be great. Bama's been doing that for a year and a half, you know, a year and two games, or since the national championship when Tua came in at halftime, and then all the way through last year and into this year. They're a well-oiled machine. They know what they're doing. They've got the running backs. Their O-line is probably what fans have picked apart a little bit. But the thing with Bama is is I don't think they'll have any hiccups before then because they don't really play anybody for Mm -hmm. first five, six, seven games. That allows you to really – nobody that I think will challenge them. So that allows you to get these guys settled in, let all these young kids get some reps. And because of that, uh, I think they'll be clicking on all cylinders. That'll be – a Super tough game for LSU to win. I think, obviously, we'll talk about this at the very end, but I think regardless of that outcome, if, if LSU does what they're supposed to do, they're going to remain in the picture for sort of all their big hopes at the end of the year in terms of the playoffs. Um, I don't I don't know if they'll be a lock to get in, but win or lose that game, I think that LSU is on a path to a season to where this might be the first time we really see them challenge Bama since Gosh, what, I guess 2013 or 14, one of those games went into overtime, obviously. Um, they've played them close once or twice in that stretch. Can't get over the hump, but if it's not now, then win. because. Yeah. And I know what then you're going to wait on Bama to have not as good of a team as they have right now, I'm sure, because they're really good. But still, this is the best LSU team we've seen, in my opinion, since 2011. So because of that, you got to think that they're going to have the best shot to win, even though it's on the road against a super talented team. And look, you're right about Bama not playing anyone. They're, the three games leading up to LSU are Ole Miss, Tennessee, and Arkansas. And we've seen how bad all three of those teams are uh, so far this year. Look, for me, um, I thought this about the Texas game. I think sometimes getting away from home is the best thing 
for a football team in a big game. Uh, you go, you stay in Birmingham, you bus over or whatever, and, and you just kind of go and take care of business. And, and you don't have to worry about family and friends that much. I mean, you get your tickets to your, your road game, but you're not organizing who your buddies are coming into town or you know all this other stuff. I mean, you just go. CBS shows up to your hotel on Friday. You talk to them. A couple of guys will talk to them. But you don't. You're not as much in this like fishbowl atmosphere. You're not walking down uh, the hill and you know ahead of Tiger Stadium and having to control these emotions at, of playing at home at, as much. Um, I think that helps LSU. I'm with you. If, if they don't do it now, I mean, when uh, I see a, a, some holes here and there in Bama, but that's the same for LSU, right? I mean, the pass defense for LSU is definitely a concern. One thing you and I mentioned on Sunday when talking about it, though, is is Texas's receiving group is a little bit better than what we thought. Bama's is very different than that group. It almost matches up a little bit better in a way for LSU, but we'll we'll just have to see what Dave Aranda comes up with against a, a spread offense that really has a lot of those quick and shifty guys running around. Yeah, I mean, if Texas and Ellinger in that receiving core, which we're talented again. Um, Eagles and Colin Johnson and Duvernay obviously uh, was amazing. A former five star. Um, Bam is just as good, but different. Like you said, these are your six one, six two, and under guys. And Waddle and Judy and Rugs can run for days. I mean, if you're missing tackles against Bama, good luck because those guys will score every single time. So it'll be the best. That will be the best quarterback wide receiver group that they'll see since this Texas game. I feel very confident in saying that. So between now and then they need to figure out how to not give up 400 and something, 500 yards of passing, 400 and something yards of passing, uh, because you won't, you don't want to go to Tuscaloosa and get into a shootout like you did in Texas because they had to have nearly everything go right on offense to win the last one. You don't want to get into that again. Yeah. I, I think, um, look, LSU's not going to have Jacoby Stevens out there covering Waddle. They're not going to be doing, the. I think, some of the things personnel-wise that they did against Texas. They're just going to have to find something different. They're going to have to need, you know, a Cordell Flott to step up and be, you know, they're almost going to have to be in dime or something yeah. uh, for a lot of that game. And they know, too, is not going to run. Like, they thought Ellinger might try to run. I mean, they were all about Ellinger staying in the pocket and mm-hmm. trying to get coverage sacks and stuff like that. I think with Bama, it becomes a risky play too because I don't think that, like you said, you can sit and dime all game, but Tua is the most accurate passer they'll face this year. He can sit back there, and if you give him just a little bit of space, he can drop it in there. They'll need to be really good in coverage there, but the more you blitz, the more you leave guys in one-on-one, the more dangerous, you know, susceptible you are to giving up that big play. Uh, I'm excited after this one where I know that Dave Aranda wants a redo on kind of how – uh, the defense fared in that final quarter and a half. I think that that Bama game will be one. He'll have two weeks to prepare. He'll obviously already have all the notes ready. He's played him a few times. Uh, I'm eager to see how he wants to attack two in this uh, this team. Yeah, and look, I mean, we'll, we'll have to break that one down uh, uh, yeah. way, way more so uh, that week of the game. But I, I'm not ready to change my pick yet. I'd like to see Alabama kind of navigate one, the Texas A&M game. I think that's kind of the closest uh, measuring stick we're going to have to how Bama – uh, is is faring in the middle of the schedule uh, when when they uh, face the Aggies in in October? Um, but look, I mean, I think it's a lot closer of a matchup than people think. Ole Miss up next for LSU, win Arkansas after that, probably a huge win. I mean, at home in Tiger Stadium uh, against the Razorbacks, 
um, who could still be winless in the SEC at that point. Um, I, I'm, I think both of us think that those two are, are, are wins, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I also don't think whether they go up to Bama and win or whether they go up there and get smashed, I think that we've seen Orgeron, his ability to regroup this team after that game towards the back end of the season has been very good. I don't, I don't see LSU losing to an Ole Miss. I don't see him losing to an Arkansas. Um, even with the Ole Miss game being up at Vaught-Hemingway in Oxford, I think LSU is just too talented. Ole Miss just does not have the roster to, to play with LSU for four quarters. So either way that one falls, I, like I said, I had them finishing at 11-1. They'd be 10-1 and at that point. We'll see what happens with the Bama game. But going into A&M, regardless of how the Bama game goes, I think there's going to be a ton still to play for for LSU. Yeah, no question, and and I even even if maybe LSU doesn't regroup as well as they want to against Ole Miss, I think both of those teams up next on the schedule are just not not very good. No. Um. So finally, that leaves Texas A and M on the schedule in Tiger Stadium. A lot of bad blood in this one. Um. First of all, is there going to be kind of like a uh, you know undercard type matchup? You know, are we going to see Kevin Falk roll out there against anybody? Yeah. Huh? It uh. What? Golly, I mean. <clears throat> that soon, people are already moved on to Texas. They want, because Orgeron talked today about how they had no AC in the locker room. Well, now LSU fans are saying, well, we better cut the AC off to the Texas locker room when they come, the visiting locker room. When they talk about putting the fans up in the upper deck, uh, it's, we saw a lot of uh, kind of edits, memes going around of uh, LSU, the Texas band is going to be sitting in Alex Box Stadium for next year's game. It's tough to even remember, like like push that out of our memory and go back to the vitriol and hate that LSU had for A&M after that game and all of the missed calls and the fights and the um, just everything that went into the seven-overtime game and losing to them for the first time since they joined the SEC. Boy, when that one rolls around, and like I said, if, if LSU's sitting at 11-1, if they're somehow undefeated and they're sitting there with a lot to play for, that's going to be interesting. And I'll say this. Everyone loved Kellen Mond in week one. Well, week two, uh, the Aggies were back off the Kellen Mond bandwagon. They thought he was terrible against Clemson. Decision-making was terrible. He holds the ball too long, this, that, and the other. And then Joshua Corbin, their starting running back today, ruled out for the season. And last year, he was an 800-plus yard guy playing behind a really good starting running back. So if you're running for 800-something yards and you're not even the starter, you played really well. Going into this year, he adds to it. He goes over 1,000 yards for his career. He was the SEC's best kick returner a year ago. So returning kicks, your best running back, your quarterback's kind of struggling at times, done for the year now at the end of that game. They're going to turn to their true freshman at running back, who obviously hasn't played a ton. It could be a season where now for A&M, they might get a loss or two that they didn't expect. I think that's... Right now, I'll circle that looking at the end of the year and say, man, them not having their starting running back and Kellen Mond not making that jump from one year to the next is noticeable. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's a situation where they're going to you know, have to manufacture offense without uh, uh, Joshua Corbin. I mean, like you said, you lose your starting running back, one as talented as that who replaced Travion Williams. It's going to be tough sledding. And But I, I will say this, I mean, one – I guess this this kind of changed a little bit after going into Clemson and honestly just getting worked. But Jimbo Fisher will will have his team relatively prepared to play LSU. I mean, the, he knows what's on the line in terms of recruiting. Um, Kellen Mond will 
who knows, maybe he'll have been settled down by then. But this is an LSU team that'll have a ton on the table uh, come that game in November after Thanksgiving and an opportunity to go to the college football playoff in all likelihood. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, I mean, I think you can go, we can go look this up. I mean, if you're listening at home and you're a gambler, then you know more about this than me. But they're... I could look right now. They're probably favored in every game left except Bama, and no matter what happens the rest of the way, they won't be favored at Bama. I don't. Bama even lost a couple games. They wouldn't be a dog versus LSU uh, at home. I just don't think we'd see a betting line shift like that. That's just my opinion. And what their toughest games would be like Auburn, A and M, Florida. They play all those teams at home. They're not going to be an underdog to any of those teams. So. We said 11-1 and one before the season, but Billy, after two weeks and getting past the Texas road bump, it was a lot like last year where everyone was like, well, you know, if they can just split Miami and Auburn early. In the, well, they won them both. So I think it's a lot like last year in that regard of you don't need a – don't go to Florida. You know, last year it was going to Florida and losing. They didn't play great and threw a pick at the end. All that kind of stuff happened. But as long as they're not having that sort of hiccup – there's not a game on the schedule that they should lose except Bama. I'm not saying they should lose Bama, but Bama. That's the only one they will be not a favorite in. Yep, exactly. And so much on the line. Um, so kno- what, that makes them 11-1. Let's say 11-1. Yep. Because if they're 12-0, and 0, we don't need to debate anything. They're going to the SEC championship, yep. and they'll be in the playoffs. But 11-1, and 1, I look around, Billy, at the other teams around the country. Who was getting love before the year? No, And look— I guess my point to saying this is, I think Bama, Clemson, Georgia, who not a lot of people are talking about, LSU, Ohio State, and Oklahoma are, are all legit. They have really good quarterbacks. There's a common theme. All six of them have really good quarterbacks right now, playing at a high level, talent all over the field. But when I get into 7, 8, 9, 10, Notre Dame, um, Florida, Michigan, who went to overtime with Army. Now, I get Army's good. I do. And Army, a lot of people in the top 25 came out before the year said Army should have been ranked 10-win team a year ago. They run that style of offense. I get it, of the, the triple option. But none of those teams do anything for me, let alone the ones after that. So 
right now, I think that there's six, what, four teams can get the playoffs. I think there's six teams out there that I would say are playoff worthy. So let's look at this, right? I mean, does 11-1 and one get them into the playoff? I don't know. And, and, and it depends on how, let's say, a loss looks to Alabama, if that's a loss. I think it does, because here's why. You'll have Clemson, who doesn't have, they don't have to play anybody the rest of the way. You've got Alabama, who will be in all likelihood undefeated going into the SEC title game. If Georgia stumbles along the way, maybe a loss to Notre Dame, who knows? Maybe Auburn. Auburn's beaten Georgia in the past couple of years. A two-loss Georgia team coming out of the SEC title game does not make the playoffs over a one-loss LSU team, in now, my mind. If if Georgia, and look, I know a year ago, Georgia was pissed off because they didn't make the playoffs and yep. they had to go play Texas in the Sugar Bowl. They felt they should be in, but... If Georgia's ten and two, and there's an eleven and one Bama or LSU sitting there that didn't go to the SEC championship, I can't see them getting it. Even if they won in Atlanta, I don't know how you would still say, okay, let's put in the team from the East that lost two games and not put in LSU or Bama, presuming that the only loss for that team came against the other one. Yeah, and here's the thing: LSU's already jumped to Oklahoma, already jumped to Ohio State. And I know this is the AP and the coaches. But Georgia plays Notre Dame here soon. But Georgia so. plays Notre Dame. So Notre Dame could be out of the picture relatively soon. Or they could really help LSU in a way. Georgia out of the picture. And, and Notre Dame, I wouldn't say, is a team that's probably going to waltz through its schedule you know, un, unbeaten. Yeah. And, and when I throw another, the number eight team in the country is Auburn. Yeah. With Bo Nix as a freshman quarterback. Like, I don't, that's not going to, they're not going 12-0. and they're not going eleven and one, and if they do, I will have egg on. You know, nobody's expecting that. No Auburn fans expecting that. So nobody beyond the top five or six right now, after two weeks, is doing anything for me. Yeah, and and look, Oklahoma, Texas beat them in the regular season last year. So who knows? You could see Texas is good. Texas is really good. You could see. So that's a knock. I like Texas, but they're kind of out of that. You know. Top ten right now discussion just because they just lost. Yeah, and they and they can beat Oklahoma. They did it last year in the regular season. So OU could have a one one loss. Would a one loss Oklahoma team that let's be honest probably doesn't play defense gets in over an LSU in terms of the rankings that both have one loss? We'll see. But a Big Twelve champion gets in. But in terms of kind of how you stack things, I think a one loss LSU would look better than a one loss. Oklahoma, who presumably could lose to Texas. Yeah, and it might sound funny, and I'm not being a prisoner in the moment. I believe this because now that LSU is in a position to say it, there could be, if you're on the playoff committee and you say, okay, I'm sitting here between LSU and Oklahoma, well, at least you know in the past Oklahoma is going to score points. You could put them out there and they're going to, you know, look, they may not have any defense, but they're going to go up and down the field with somebody. And you would have some hesitancy with LSU. Now a playoff committee, if they're looking at an 11-1 LSU team with that offense, if this is the offense the rest of the year, they say, put them in. They can play with anybody. Put them in there. And I think that'll be the general feel. Yeah, and so I, I think they can make the playoff as a one-loss one team. You do too, it seems like. Uh, but with that, I think we've riffed enough on this. I think looking back now, better feel a little bit better about beating Alabama and feel better about uh, the entire rest of the schedule, Shay. And, and it should be fun to watch play out, but... Overall, I think we found out a lot about this team coming off of the Texas game, and they showed they are legit, and this season can be one, really, that, that ends in in a, in a college football playoff berth. Right. I know we sound super positive, but that was the point of the podcast. We are 
trying to figure out what is the path for LSU to get to the playoffs. Obviously, undefeated will do it for you, uh, or at least get back to Atlanta. Obviously, put yourself in position to to get a guaranteed bid almost into the playoffs. Um, but I think there's reason for optimism. Like I said, Vegas has a bunch of big, beautiful buildings for a reason. They make money off people, and LSU's only going to be a dog in one game. And that might have been the case all along. And you know, I thought 11 and one, but after that Texas showing, I think it's clear that this offense is legit. They can play with anyone. It's not beyond Bama and Georgia, Georgia, who they don't play. It's not some banner year for the SEC. Uh, I think that you know LSU fits right in with those other two teams you aforementioned for the first time in a while. I know that they beat Georgia last year. I get that. But now they're in the conversation with Georgia alongside them of this is one of the best teams in the country. No doubt. Well, I think we said it all. That'll do it for this edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to this edition on the, of the pod. And uh, keep it locked on Go247.com for all things LSU. Hope everyone has a great rest of the week.